All right. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Stories of Selling Human podcast. I'm your host, Alex Smith, and I started this podcast because I believe everyone in the world will someday be faced with a situation. It could be business, could be personal, that requires you to create change. I believe we all want to be heard, seen, and understood, but the people who are get our attention and convince, persuade, or influence us they're not just salespeople. I think they're great human beings throughout all walks of life that we're drawn to. I'm going to share their stories here so we can tap into what makes us human, practice our human skills, and ultimately, we'll all become better at selling by being human. All right, gang, this is one of our first shows in 2023. I brought on someone that's sure to entertain, sure to educate us all on um, creative ways to approach sales. This is a you know a guy that grew up in in the in the scene in Chicago in the you know in the scene of comedy and improv and stage performance and stand up comedy. Uh, this guy owns his own business where he teaches uh, salespeople and sales organizations all about how to make really impactful, educational, entertaining, concise, and just engaging videos and and selling using video. He's the host of. Chris sells his soul podcast. He's an uh, improv artist and he's been in, you know, he's it, when he wasn't on stage, he was paying the bills and sales. And um, he's also, I'm, I'm finding uh, an accomplished electric, uh, you can tell, you know, uh, it, you know, almost electric uh, instrument flute player. He'll tell you the name of the instrument, but please welcome none other than Chris Bogue to the podcast. Welcome, Chris. Hey, thanks for having me, Alex. What is the name of the instrument? I was butchering what that so, yeah. what that is called behind <laughs> this you. Is, this is called uh, an iwi, an iwi. electric wind instrument. So E-W-I, it's made by Akai. There are different types of wind instruments. Some of them are more like a saxophone where they have buttons that you push down. The iwi has touch sensors. So these are all touch sensors here. So there's no clicking of keys. And yeah, uh, I wouldn't say I'm accomplished at this thing, although I do play it. But part of part of my message is that sometimes failure is more entertaining than success. So I'm just kind of learning to play it in public. And that's just part of the show, you know? And I, I come from an improv prop background that says there are no mistakes. There is just the show. Everything happens whether you want it to or not, and you don't really have time to second guess it when you're in front of an audience. So you just kind of got to make it work. And that's, that's really the approach that I have to sales too, where it's like failure is part of the process. And the second you start, the second you disconnect yourself from it uh, and get a little bit curious about what's going on there, you know, you find there's, there's a lot, there's a lot more options to be a regular human being than you, you initially realized. Yeah, I like it. It's funny. I'm I'm trying to pick up that one of my goals is in 2023 is to pick up what you gave me inspiration because I, I learned the guitar. I took a guitar class and it was in eighth grade and I even had one. Don't know where it is now. So it's totally gone. But my friend met, lent me his and I'm like vowing to play guitar every day and somehow in 2023 and maybe I'll, I'll learn a little bit in public too. But it, it you know, I, I just, uh, yeah, it's it's almost scary to think you can pick something like that up. Well, you only life, need to pick but... it up for 10 seconds is the thing. This is what I've discovered. And this is the whole, my, my thing is I coach mercifully short video content. 
And I'm trying to show my audience that that can mean a lot of different things, you know, in a sales context, like the, the sales cycle, especially if you're selling something at like the enterprise level or something, there's so many twists and turns. There's so many different pieces of the puzzle, so many people involved in the decision. And there's all these little moments where video can just kind of accelerate the process or really get your information in front of the right person better and faster. And yeah, it's like people go pour their heart out. You know, they go put on a concert and five people show up and they're like, oh, this is terrible. Where if they just pull out the guitar and just go for five seconds, it might blow up on TikTok, you know? And it's like, I really kind of, I'm a big fan of limitations and like the limitations are what breeds creativity. And, you know, I set out to prove to my audience that you can do a lot in 60 seconds. And sometimes I'm even blown away. I'm like, I can't believe I fit that much stuff into that short amount of a time. I'm I'm totally amazed and impressed about what you can do. I've seen some of the videos that you make in, in such a short time. I have trouble being concise in videos without writing a script and that sort of thing. So we'll talk a little bit about tactics and how you do it. And, and you do have an awesome course that I, I'm going to put a link to and everyone I highly suggest people take it, even if you're not like in a full-time sales role, just, you know, being confident in and sending a video to a client, uh, you know, asynchronously is, is just so such a great skill to have in business today. Um, before we get to that, Chris, I always like to ask people, just because your approach, I mean, you have, a, you know, the the EWE and like the content on LinkedIn, it's it's you. I, I think I heard a quote that's very much like, you know, you do different characters, but make them, you know, almost like taking a cap off, uh, like as easy to put on and off. It's just part of you. So like your characters or maybe like what your, you know, uh, your dad, like a, an impersonation of your dad or like someone in close to your life and things like that. So, you know. All that to say is you're just very you, and I know you know it's easy to say authentic, but I, I I use the word like human, and that like people just like when I see stuff from you, it's I I think I know who you are in real life, and and people like to buy pe from people, yes, that they know like and trust, but even more than that, that they feel like that they can relate to, that are like that have the same struggles as them, that that aren't fake, right? So. My first question to you, Chris, when I say the term to you, sell something and sell it by being human, what does that mean to you? And what do you first think about when I say something like that to you? I would say that persuasion is a very, very small part of the sales process. Most of what you're doing when you're selling to someone is not changing their mind. You know, that's a misconception. That's what people hate salespeople for. And that's why people are like, I don't like cold calls. I don't like salespeople. When someone says they hate salespeople, what they mean is they hate when people put them, put pressure on them to do things that they don't want to do. You know, you don't want to buy this thing, but this person is going to like psychologically manipulate you into doing it anyway. That's what people think sales is, you know, whereas most of what sales is, is staying open. You know, I always say like, there's a very, 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 very slim window of time where a person is actually persuadable. And my job is not to sell to everybody all the time. It's to always keep the door open, but 
when that moment is right, when we actually are in that period of time where they're looking to make a change, they're looking to invest in a change, can I get in the room? You know, and if I can get in the room, can I make the most impactful case possible? And when I think going out there and selling, yeah, there is sales, which is being prompt, introducing yourself to new people, getting into conversations, getting curious. But when you actually have to go sell, that is a performance. You know, that's kind of what I teach with the video is I'm like, look, when you're sending a video to a prospect, that's not where you're doing the selling. You know, that's where you're creating curiosity. That's where you're creating a, a human connection. It's where you're opening the door. If they give you a meeting, now you can go sell. And when I say sell in this context, I mean you can do all sorts of things that would be considered impolite in a regular conversation. You can ask them questions about their problems. You can ask them questions about their budget. You can share with them case studies and statistics and numbers. These are things that you don't want to do. You don't just walk up to someone and start doing this. But if somebody has given you a sales meeting, they're actually saying, hey, go shoot your shot. You know, you, you can go, go make the financial case why I should give you money. And yeah, you got to step up and you got to be, you got to perform, you know, but that's, that's a very small percentage of what sales is actually, you know, I'm having conversations with people all the time. I'm meeting people all the time, especially now that I run my own business, you know, I'm doing marketing and I'm doing branding and I'm doing crossover events. I'm doing all these other things where I'm just supporting people. I'm, listening to people, I'm helping people out. And then, yeah, it's like selling is like 50 different behaviors, only one of which is closing, you know, which is what everybody gets hung up on. But yeah, I don't think the close is actually the most important part. I was always taught that like a sales process is actually 100 little micro steps. It's getting somebody a little inch along, inch along. And by the time you go for the close, they've said yes to the 99 other steps. So that should be a no brainer when you get to the actual end of the process. Yeah, I, li I liked what you said about, you know, when when people say they hate salespeople, it's not it's because, yeah, they feel like like being forced upon like we all just we want to go to a show right like when I'm, I'm going to watch a performance or a comedy show the comic isn't telling me to think or believe a certain way at least the good ones i like i think hope maybe they're 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 giving their their shtick and their style and like they're they're telling their jokes but you know they're not they don't assume everyone's gonna laugh like you know they probably expect people not to you know but they tell the jokes anyways because that's their like that's what they feel like is funny and you know hopefully other people like resonate with that but like every performer doesn't expect everyone to like what they do right as opposed to somebody who's like you have to like this you need this based on what you're telling me here's how we're going to you know come up with a story to you know sell this or you know it, 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 or when you can kind of feel like the the, the tactics going of I just told you something and now you're, you know, kind of going to, you know, challenge me or argue with me or, you know, kind of present me with other facts that I don't believe or something like that. It's, it's just, they feel like you're, you're telling me w w uh, what to believe as opposed to just, again, inviting them or being open and letting them kind of find the, the, the punchline or find the, 
the decision on their own sort of thing. Yeah, there is a, and this is, this is a misconception about improv too. I always tell people, people hear improv and they think jokes. You actually don't do jokes in improv. Jokes are a stand-up thing. Improv comedians are not telling jokes. In improv, you play games. You know, you're finding a way to collaborate off another person. And yeah, stand-up, it's all about you. You know, and you got to go up there and you got to deliver the punchlines. I think sales and improv have a lot in common because the audience is part of the show. You're not supposed to have a sales presentation where you just go up there and talk for 30 minutes straight. It's supposed to be a two-way conversation. You know, you're asking them questions. You're digging deep into whether or not there's a need for this. And then you're trying to make a case based on their situation. Same thing in an improv show. You know, the listening is more important than the jokes. Oftentimes people will go to an improv set and they'll be like, it was hysterical. I don't remember anything that happened. Yeah, yes. I just saw Colin, his last name is the very famous improv comedian from Canada. He's Colin on, Mockery? Was on, yes, Mockery. And he did a huge presentation at a conference and him and this other guy were hilarious. And and all the for two hours, I was amazed. And I couldn't repeat one of the lines. Like I could sort of tell you what happened, but not nearly as good as they did it in the moment because they were just riffing off of what people were saying in the audience and what was coming out. I, I, I'm sure they may not even remember it if you asked them again, because they were just yeah, in the moment. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't. You're, and it's like you learn these little things. You know, you interview an audience member and it teaches you to be an extremely careful listener. And there's nothing an audience loves more than when they say something super specific and then 20 minutes later you bring it back you know and yeah it's you know and it's funny too because i I'll, you'll have to kind of train the audience where if i start interviewing an audience member and we start trying to tell jokes i say hey you know we'll leave the jokes to us up here i just want to like actually know what happened you know and people are funny when they're trying not to be funny and, and there there's this kind of I don't know. It's it's this weird kind of trick where you have to teach yourself to be completely in the moment, completely yourself, and you got to really think like, what's the honest way to respond, versus what's the funniest way to respond. You know, because when when you tell someone like, oh, I'm gonna tell you a joke, it's the funniest joke ever, part of them wants to resist you. They're like, you know, uh, and it's the same thing with selling. If you tell someone, hey. I could sell this thing to anybody. This is the most useful product ever. This is going to blow your mind. There's this kind of moment where they're like, oh yeah, well, let's, let's hear it that. And they're, they're, they're ready to poke holes in it, you know? Whereas when you make it about them, when you start asking them questions they, and they really start thinking, you know, now you're doing something together. Now it's both of you have an investment in whatever this communication is. And once you're in this moment where every single word is important and you're clearly listening to everything they're saying and you're, you're engaging with them back and forth. Yeah. There's really kind of no way you can fail. And that's, that's like the cardinal rule of improv is called yes. And which means no matter what your partner throws at you, you have to accept it as reality. You can't deny their choices because you wanted to do something else. There's no time for mistakes. The show is the show. If someone just called you, you know, Colonel Sanders, well, guess what? You're, you're Colonel Sanders in this scene. Deal with it, you know? What would the Colonel say here? 
you know, is try to think. It's like, you can't, we don't know what he would actually say, you know, but if it's anything, the audience is probably going to laugh, you know? And it's like, you know, you'll figure it out. And that's, that's kind of what you're doing when you build a sales process is like, can I set up this flow? So it doesn't really matter what the other person says, they're still gonna go on a journey with me, you know? Um, and that's always what I, how I, I think about it is just like, you know, we're gonna go from here to here, no matter what, you know? And uh, in the case of sales, that means you win some and you lose some. And then, yeah, with improv, it's like, you kind of gotta be able to throw caution to the wind and be open to anything. But once you can do that, it's pretty exciting because the possibilities are endless. Yeah. I, I just hear so much like curiosity between improv and your thinking. Like so many people like probably say to themselves, look, I don't use comedy and or I'm not funny. And, you know, that's like you, you have to be naturally funny or something like that to even attempt it. So I'm just not going to try to make a joke. But I'm worried because like I'm hearing you say like anybody can be funny. Um, anybody can just, you know, be themselves and somehow like get a laugh. I'm curious, like when you first started realizing maybe early on in your life that there was like a connection between, you know, maybe getting what you wanted, maybe for like getting some type of change to happen, whether it was something from your parents or friends or, you know, like performing, you know, and improv or comedy or, you know, like the, the, the stage performances like you were doing. What did you you know, realize like some connection early on, like the stuff that you're talking about, the connections and links between improv and, and selling. I'm, I'm just kind of curious where, where, where that first started, you know. Yeah. So I've got a lot of you. thoughts on that. Cause like any comedian, you go through great confidence and great self-loathing yeah. and doubt at the same time, <laughs> you know, as a little kid, I was a really natural storyteller. I was a really bold kid. I was the kid who could just get up in front of the class and like tell a story or whatever. That was just like what I wanted to do. I was never shy about like talking to strangers, you know, just like a really chatty kid. Then I grew up, watched a lot of cartoons, watched a ton of Simpsons, watched a lot of uh, late night comedy, watched a lot of late night with Conan O'Brien. Mr. Show, Kids in the Hall, Saturday Night Live. Started doing improv in high school because I was watching Whose Line Is It Anyway. I actually started doing improv when I was in Boy Scouts. I was like in sixth or seventh grade. And um, we started playing Whose Line Is It Anyway games. And yeah, it always felt like this big distraction. You know, I was like a brainy kid who couldn't fit in with people. I was, I was like a gifted kid. And that can be pretty isolating and lonely. But I found that like the comedy could endear me to other people, you know, and I was not a jock, but the jocks thought I was funny. And the popular kid in school lived down the block from me. So I was like, oh, I could be like his funny friend, you know, and then I went to college. I joined the improv group there. We won nationals and I got to work with like a bunch of really talented people. And I actually thought, that I had no talent. I actually met all these people who were substantially more talented than me. And I realized like, oh my God, they're all gonna be famous someday and I'm not, you know? And I went through this huge period of doubt where they all moved to LA and I didn't move with them. Cause I just thought like, oh, the audience isn't laughing at me. They're laughing at those other people who are funnier than me, 
you know, and I got into writing and directing. I started writing shows. I, I, I had a period of years where I was not on the stage. I was writing for a cast of actors, you know, and kind of what you were going earlier with about how some people aren't funny. Well, everybody's funny in the right context, you know? There's a reason why the classic two-man comedy duos were a funny guy and a straight man, you know? Sometimes the person who is dry and humorless is really funny if you've got a funny guy bouncing off of them, you know? And I really enjoyed working with casts of characters because it's like, oh, here's, I need a really sensitive kind of everyman for this role. And here I need a woman who's kind of scary. <laughs> you know, I need someone who's kind of tough and I need to, you know, and then you cast the actors you've got a variety of different skills there. And I always felt as a director, my job was like, okay, I, I need to get every single talent out of them and have them go as hard as they can with it. You know, like if I get an opera singer in the show, I'm finding opportunities for them to sing and it's gonna sound awesome because that's their secret weapon, you know? And I had a fun time doing that for a couple years and then I gave up, I quit. I just couldn't produce shows anymore. It was too much work. I wasn't making a lot of money off it. I was doing the sales thing. And then I kind of accidentally fell into it because I got on camera and suddenly I needed to play every single character. And it turns out I'm funnier than I thought I was, you know? <laughs> and this is kind of the story that I, I'm, I'm selling out there with my coaching and that I tell people is I'm like, look, when you get up on that stage or you get up on camera, you start discovering all these talents about you, you know? And like, I did comedy for 15 years. So of course my stuff is gonna come out funny. But if someone is, let's say a really good listener, you know, or a really good teacher, I create a situation where they can go be empathetic, you know, where they can be curious with someone, you know, maybe they're gonna be doing a more educational kind of show. You know, that's great. That's who they are. That's the energy they bring to the stage. You know, again, I, I look at these sales teams, I look at these marketing teams as just a collection of talent. And I don't know, I, I don't, it feels like that's not how most sales leaders look. They're looking at it as kind of like disposable units. But I, I kind of think this is the future. I think we're, we're kind of going towards like, we're all on one screen, we're all on that phone, you know? So you, you kind of got to be a little compelling. And fortunately, the easiest way to be compelling is to be a completely unguarded human being who's just open to your audience. Talk to me as if I'm like a person who's, you know, maybe I'm in sales, maybe I'm in anything in my career in business, right? And I'm trying to, you know, kind of connect with my client, my audience and, you know, hey, I'm looking at video like way, like I'm, I'm, I've never done a, a video. I'm, I'm, uh, I feel like I'm maybe not funny. You know, I, I, I don't even know where to start. I, I'd have to like write every word, word for word to, to read it. It would take me hours to do one video. You know, what, what, what would you say to me, you know, to, to help me get started? And have you seen people start from that place and produce videos that are engaging, that are getting them in the door in some places? No, yeah. that's the fun thing about this job too, is cause I can, I can watch their progression. You know, and you see them get, I mean, so much is fixed by just framing your camera shot, right? If you've got your camera at eye level 
and you're looking straight at the lens and you're well lit, you will look confident, you know? So that's an easy fix. I can usually get anybody, as long as you put the camera in the right place and you look at the right place, you're going to be doing it better than 99% of people sell it on Zoom. And as far as the wording goes, you know, my coaching exercises, they always start with the audience, you know? So in the case of a seller, you know, first I would get them relaxed. We would do some like kind of conversational ex exercises to get you excited and, and, you know, just get you in a good mood and get you kind of thinking creatively. And then, yeah, I'll either ask you about like your best customer, you know, or your most important prospect on your list, you know? And I just have the person tell me about them. And I'm like, okay, now if they were sitting right here, what would you say to them? Like literally they're sitting here at your kitchen table, you know, or you run into them at a coffee shop or something. You've got 30 seconds. What would you say? And I literally, I kind of put them on the spot. I shut off the camera and I go here, don't think about how I'm reacting. Just kind of talk through it. You know, and they usually talk, they get something out. It's a little rambling, a little stuttering. And usually the first thing I have to say is, okay, here's what I heard. You said, I this, I that, I that. I want you to say the word you. I want you to talk directly to this person, but the first word that's going to come out of their mouth is you. You know, I see you're working on this. I know your values are this. I know your company has a goal to do this. And that's why I'd like to meet with you, you know? And when you start with what your audience cares about, that's automatically gonna grab their attention. And I, I always have these, like I've got, I'm doing my first cohort I'm launching. It'll probably be launched by the time you you uh, release this episode, but I'm, I'm working with like a small group of people developing video content with them. And the first exercise is ask the audience. You go pull the audience, you ask them a question about something they care about, you create a piece of video content and then you let them know. You're like, hey, thanks for you know engaging with the survey. I made a video about that. You're talking about the thing that's on their mind. They cared enough to interact with you and give their perspective, which means they're a little bit invested in it now, you know? And yeah, once you start doing that, you just see what works. And you know, this requires you to one, review your tape and watch yourself. It's not fun, especially when you're starting. It's hard to watch yourself being awkward, but you'll become less awkward over time. And then, yeah, I watch the data and I ask for lots of feedback, you know, and usually I can, you can break it down. It becomes pretty clear where it's like, look, when you talk about this, always kills it. Your audience loves it, you know? So let's find different ways for you to talk about that. You know, and eventually it becomes a game. I, I was taught by like one of my mentors, like you break your audience down into like mini audiences, you know? Mm -hmm. So my mini audiences are like, one of them is salespeople, sales leaders, SDRs, AEs. They need to hit their quota. They want to stay on top of the trends. They don't want to be sent to spam. They like not only the sales tips, they like the edgy humor too. I've got a lot of edgy kind of crass humor and I've got a boss character that really delivers that because I know that's what that audience likes. I also have another sub audience that are creative people. You know, part of my message is like, hey, you can go do sales. There's a different way to sell. If you're a creative person, if you're good at talking to people, you can take a more creative approach. 
And these are people who they don't like the hustle broke culture, you know, and they don't like talking about sales, but they are interested in things like video. They are interested in content. They are interested in achieving their financial goals in a way that doesn't require making a bunch of cold calls. So I make content for them. I have characters that kind of represent their worldview. And then you just kind of discover kind of unusual other sub audiences. So another one that I have, which is kind of surprising, is deaf people. All my stuff is captioned. Uh, that was a decision I made early on was to make my content accessible. And it was a way to differentiate myself as a video content creator, because oftentimes video content creators on LinkedIn do not caption their videos. And yeah, all my stuff is captioned and the captions are really important to me. And I have a whole group of deaf fans who love my videos because they know they're actually going to be able to follow the captions because I actually time the captions. So the punchlines hit exactly the way that they sound, you know, and I ended up picking up a lot of client work from companies that work in accessibility and, um, you know, content creators out there who are getting started, who want captions, but they don't know how, you know, that's a whole new other mini audience, you know? So I get to this point now where I'm, I'm not going out there saying like, oh God, what's the funniest thing in the world I could say? I'm like, you know what? I haven't done anything for the creative people in a while. You know, why don't I do something for like the shy people, you know? Or uh, I haven't done anything about captions in a while. Why don't I bring on an accessibility guest and we'll do a piece about, you know, video content or, Hey, I need to go sell some more courses. You know, I'm going to throw the boss out there and I'm going to pull my audience, what sales trend they're sick of. And I'm going to do a sketch about it, you know? And it's like, because I'm always talking to my audience, because I'm always keeping it on what they care about. I never really have to worry that I'm going to be like irrelevant or that people aren't going to want to listen to it. Cause I know someone's going to care about it. You know, let me like, I, I think that's a great, like such a great, you know, way to approach it because yeah, like there are so many different types of people that have different challenges around video and they're thinking about different things with it. And you're speaking directly to them with all, with all the characters, you know, I'm, I'm curious, like, you know, cause when I think about it, I think like the biggest thing for me, I know you were even asking me for, you know, our organization, like, what's the like thing that, you know, your, you know, as like your trainer or sales enablement person be thinking about in my mind, it's just the, 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 you know, just the knowledge gap of somebody that, you know, doesn't do this at all. Maybe there's somebody prospecting all day long, or they're just in any role, an AE role or whatever, the time it would like, it's in their mind, like in my mind, it, it's like, is this going to take three hours for them to produce a video and write the captions and put it on a, you know, one of those like, you know, apps with a the teleprompter app or, or something like that. And they read it and they, and they do like 10 takes and then it's two hours later and they, they still don't have their first video. So talk to me about a little bit about how you can create videos really efficiently, even quickly. And, and also like what situations have you found are some of the best situations in a sales cycle or even in just a business setting. I don't know. I, I don't know if you have clients that are not sales reps that are just, you know, looking at, at video and just general business communications, but what are the places where videos are, are mo most effective and how can you produce them, you know, efficiently where they're not taking up a whole day to, to create one or two videos? Yeah. So the word that I use a lot is batching. 
whether I'm creating video content or if I'm creating prospecting videos for sales. The most efficient way to do it is to film a bunch of footage all in one sitting and then divvy it up. So in content creation, sometimes I'll have my clients do things like they sit down in front of a camera and they say, hey, this is my five-part series on storytelling, part one. And it's 30 seconds long, you know, and you say, stay tuned for next week. And then you record part two, you know, uh, hey, here's part two. And again, they're, they're all little 30-second clips, but what you can do is you can film five weeks of content in one take. You know, I let the camera run and I get all the footage in one video file and then that's what I edit. And uh, in my course, and when I teach people to do video prospecting, I tell them, you should be spending more time compiling the list than actually recording the videos. And I don't really know any videos that really make this like easy yet. I have found that the, the company I recommend to clients is Descript. Uh, Descript is a great editing and captioning program uh, for people who are not professional video editors. I use Adobe Premiere Pro personally. It's a little more complicated to use and it's more expensive, but I, I use the same kind of process with them. How I coach clients to do these videos is you're sitting down and you've got a list with five to 10 names on it, right? And you know we can get deeper into this, but the, a lot of the, the game is figuring out who is who is likely to respond to a video in the first place? You know, there's there's little clues. I'll tell you, a person is more likely to actually respond to that. And then, yeah, I leave the video running and I just do them back to back to back. Here's number one, Alex Smith. Hey, Alex, here's why I want to talk to you. da 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 um, I'll do these for events on the calendar. I tell SDRs out there, you know, you, you go through so much trouble getting these meetings on the calendar. You're only compensated if the person shows up. If you send a little 15 second video beforehand, just being like, hey, Alex, see you at Tuesday at nine. Here's one thing I want you to think about. You know, can't wait to chat with you. It's so much more likely that they'll actually show up to the meeting, you know? And that was 15 seconds. And the trick is not overthinking it, you know? So I've got my list of 10 people or five people. I say, if you, if you really wanna start out small, do three in a sitting. But if you're targeting people, you should pretty much have the same message for all of them. You know, if I'm targeting sales leaders who, you know, have Vidyard Pro or BombBomb Pro or something in their tech stack, I'm probably solving a similar problem for all of them, you know, which means I only need one or two lines of personalization in there where I say, hey, Alex, I know you're working on this. I know your company's doing this. Here's why it might be good for us to talk, you know. I spout off a bunch of those. It's all on one video file. What this allows me to do is I throw it into Descript or I throw it into Adobe Premiere Pro. I generate an auto caption track first and now I can just clip out all the takes that I want. I don't need to watch all the film. Uh, Descript actually has, it's pretty cool. It turns the dialogue into like a Word document. And what you can do is you can fix the typos and everything. And then you can actually just highlight the relevant text and click export and it'll just clip out that little particular clip, you know? So I'll have a 12 minute video file that has 10 different prospecting pitches on it, you know? So do that, chop it up. I can get, you know, 10 videos out in about two hours 
And you know, my like my clients and me, we tend to see above a 50% response rate. You know, so if I send out 10 videos, probably gonna get six or seven responses. Some of those are gonna be thanks, but no thanks, which is fine, you know, but two or three of them typically go to a meeting, you know, and getting two or three meetings out of, you know, an hour or two of outreach is way better than what most of B2B SaaS is doing right now. But I don't know, I've got this whole thing that they, they overcomplicate everything and video is no different. You know, they're setting up screen shares, they're demoing their product, they're doing all these kooky gimmicks where they've got, you know, they turn their background into their prospect's website and they're like, oh, let me show you how terrible your website is. And it's like, if you just go talk straight to them, they'll listen, you know, they'll listen. You gotta just make it easy for them. Yeah, I like when you, you know, just like all those gimmicks uh, are, are you know, they, they, they're one thing, but like if you just do something as simple as saying someone's name and you just say, hi, Marsha, Jane, you know, Chris, hey, I noticed this. Typically when I talk to people, they tell me these couple things. Hey, I, 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 I found this. Here's, you know, some reasons why I thought we should meet. Let me know if you're open to it. Just like you're just, hey, I'm, 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 I'm meeting you. Like, like you said, if you saw that person in a coffee shop or whatever, like, what would you talk to him? Would you be like, hey, I went to your website and, you know, did, did you know, like, we could do this and did you consider that? And like, hey, like, it just feels like this there again. Like it's somebody. I don't know if I want to. If if I give this person time. Am I afraid that they'll start hard selling me on the first meeting too? You know, because they're hard selling me over video um, right now. So it's like you're just trying to present a, a different, like a version of you. I'm curious. You you were saying earlier about like cues that you you, you kind of pick up on where it's like good to say, send somebody a video. Tell me about that. What are those like that you pick up on where you feel like people resonate well if you just kind of follow up and send them a nice little video of yourself? Yeah, so I use a red, yellow, green system to categorize my leads. So the simplest way to think about it is yellow is a literal coin flip. I don't, I don't have any information about this person really. Maybe we've exchanged pleasantries. They, they fit my ICP, my ideal customer profile, but I can't, I have gotten no signals from them one way or another. Green leads are a greater than 50% chance, you know? So maybe they've talked to me before, maybe they've expressed interest in buying, maybe, you know, uh, they've engaged with my content. Um, green means I've got a better than 50% chance of actually getting them into a meeting and selling to them. And red is a less than 50% chance, right? These are people who've told me no thanks, these are people who ghost you, people who ignore your messages, right? And it sounds, like overly obvious, but I tell people you should send videos to the green leads and the yellow leads because they might actually watch it. What do you think B2B SaaS does? They send, send the red video leads. to the red leads. <laughs> they send it to the red leads. They, this person ignored my last 17 messages, so now I'm gonna send them a product demo. That's what they do that person is likely to ignore that message too. And I tell people what you wanna do with video is you want to either control your first impression or your last impression. So that video that I send on that initial ask, maybe I'm not gonna get the meeting out of it, 
but I'm also not going to swing the door shut behind me. You know, I, I've had like one guy get mad at me for sending a video. It was because I mispronounced his name. Uh, my bad, you know. Um, but generally speaking, when I send somebody a prospecting video, their, you know, response is not, F you, put me on the do not call list, unsubscribe, I'm going to report you to your boss. You know, they're like, oh, this was nice, but, you know, uh, not right now, you know, and the, the lines of communication are, are open. But yeah, that's my thing is like, you got to send it to the people you think are gettable. You got to send it to the people that are absolute kind of, you don't know, 50-50 chance. And if it fails with both of those groups, something about your messaging needs to change, you know? And then, you know, those red leads, you can do other things. You can target them. Maybe you do some cold email. Maybe that's a situation where I would do something more templated, you know? Um, but my thing is like the video, it's like, I'm going for those green and yellow leads and I want to put my best foot forward and maybe it's not going to work perfectly. But now when I follow up next week and I'm like, Hey, Alex, it's me, you know, I'm cold calling you, but it's like, Hey, it's me. I sent you a video last week and I wanted to get your thoughts on that. I'm kind of not a stranger anymore. Yeah. I'm not coming in there cold, cold, like totally out of the blue. I made something for you. And if you watched it, it was a video about you, not me, you know? So yeah, that's a hell of a lot more than most sales reps do. You could probably get 30 seconds on a cold call if you're willing to do that, you know, but they're not doing it. I've, I've surveyed hundreds of AEs and SDRs. The average team using Vidyard, the average rep isn't even making five videos per month. That's crazy. Wow. You know, I teach people, you should be able to make five in an hour or two, you know? And uh, I just don't think they know how to do it. And they're too afraid to fail. So I'm like, congratulations, everybody. I failed a bunch live in front of the whole world. So you can see it works pretty well. And even if you do screw up, you just kind of become a relatable person, you know? And I don't know. I think you're gonna see a lot more of this as the generation that grew up on YouTube really comes into prominence. You know, they have a different relationship with the camera and I'm just trying to stay ahead of the curve. I'm, their bosses think I'm crazy. They think the video thing can't be done. I look at those kids graduating college and I'm like, these kids are better than me at video. Like you, you tell a young person, go make a 30 second video. They know their angle. They know where to put the lights. They know, you know, they know what side of their face they like. They know they they have spent more time doing this than the generations before them. And you think this can be done, you know, for the most part, like people are people writing like scripts from themselves and reading off of that, or are they just kind of like talking to the camera, just you know, being honest? Like what what is your take there? Uh good writing is your friend. I recommend people write in bullet points the bullet points keep you on message while giving you flexibility to improvise. So again, a lot of the course, a lot of what I teach is like, how do you pare down the list? But if you've got a list and you've got five or 10 names and they've all got similar job titles or similar problems or similar budgets or however you group it. Yeah. Your bullet points are like, Hey Alex, here's why I want to talk to you. Thing one, thing two, and then thing three, here's my call to action. Let me know whether or not, you're interested in chatting. You know, I, I ended by being like, if you send me a thumbs up emoji, I'll send you some available times. And if you're not interested, that's fine. Just let me know. 
I'll cross you off the list. I'll note that this is not for you, you know, but yeah, I actually recommend getting those bullet points down. You know, the, the more you do it, the easier it is to improvise, but I do recommend stick to your script. And when I'm actually doing like script writing with organizations, usually that starts with a conversation about like, what are the things that move the needle already? What are the things that you're saying to get someone to book a demo? You know, what are the things that are getting someone to, to actually respond to an email? Usually you already have the words. Everybody already has the words. They just say it in five minutes and it's like, okay, let's get that down to 30 seconds. You know, what's your uh, opinion just um, in terms of like video as the first way you're reaching out to some, like the first touch, the first cold email, or are they part of a sequence or it doesn't really matter that way? What, what is your thought there? I don't recommend it for the very first touch point. No, uh, this is something I, I've, I've come to realize after doing this for two years, but I think sales leaders have it backwards. They always come to me and they want the one generic video that's going to get them a thousand demos. I'm like, gang, it doesn't exist. I wish it did. You know, it's for the same reason why you have sales reps do cold calling. It's because if you sent them an automated voice message, you know it wouldn't work. You know it wouldn't work. You act, it actually has to be a dialogue. So yeah, that's what they, they originally they come to me, they say, oh, I want to make one perfect video that I can put into all my cold templates. It's going to get me all the demos. I tell them that's, that should be video content. You know, if you want to do the one to many communications, you got a much better odds by putting that on your LinkedIn profile or your company page or your social or something like that. If you want to have a generic message about the problem you solve, that's great. You know, I'm releasing course number two. That's what that's going to be about. That's what this cohort is about. It's like if you have good content out there all the time, if you've got videos of you showing that you understand your prospects problems that you understand their personality and you understand what their needs and wants are it's a lot easier to get those sales meetings you know but um i actually recommend the first thing that my uh coaching clients do is notice the other person the way they want to be noticed so um on linkedin i always say it's a good idea to go after the people who are already talking about the things you're talking about you know, go to the people who are already talking about sales, go to the people who are already talking about creativity, about video, get in on their conversations and yeah, start connecting with them. You know, it's usually the first thing is like, Hey, I loved that video you put. That was super creative. Hope we can connect. That's a, that's a much easier way in through the door than a pitch slap, you know? And um, yeah, I usually like to have at least one interaction with them before I send the video, you know? And the answer really depends on how long-term you're thinking. I, I run my own business, so now I can think long-term. And yeah, I'm always looking for people who enjoy my content. I'm always looking for people who find my content insightful. I'm always looking for people who are showing up to my live shows and commenting and interacting, because guess what? When I send them a video, they're likely to watch it and they're likely to respond, you know? So if I'm always connecting with people who fit my ICP and I'm always giving them content, I'm always paying attention to who's appreciating it, you know, I've got a pretty warm list of people that I can reach out to at all times. You know, if you don't have an option like that, you know, you could do really simple things with cold emailing, you know? I, I did 
my cold email experiment where I just reached out to a bunch of SDRs and AEs and I asked them two questions. I said, uh, does your team use video? And then how many uh, videos a week does the average rep on your team make? I asked that to a few hundred people, you know, and then guess what? I took that feedback and I sent videos to some of their bosses saying, hey, I'm reaching out because I talked to your AEs and your SDRs. I know you've got this quota to hit and I wanted to see, you know, if you wanted some more videos. Vidyard is super powerful. I find teams kind of get tongue-tied sometimes. It's hard for them to do it at scale and that's what I do, you know, so I'd love to chat with you about that. If you're open to chatting with me, let me know. Respond with anything. If you send a thumbs up, I could send you some times. You could choose when that's convenient for you. And if it's not something you want to talk about, this is not something you're interested in, just let me know. I will not take it personally. But no matter what, thanks for connecting on LinkedIn and have a nice day. That's 45 seconds long. And again, I don't really need to send that many of them to fill up a you know, week's worth of calendar meetings. You know, as we kind of close off, Chris, what what about like the person on uh, so the rep, the SDR, there's their their manager, you know, and they have Vidyard. What's a challenge you'd give them? Maybe if they're not working on your cohort, or maybe if they're not, you know, they don't have your course yet. What's what's something you'd hope they do, or just at least try in 2023 uh, with video, just to you know get get started with it? What's something that you could challenge people to to try to do to to maybe make it a little bit easier to make the entryway into it not as as difficult? Yeah, I'd say use your calendar. I always say start with the deals you already have. Sometimes cold outreach can feel like you're just kind of shooting into the void. But again, the the hack that I use it's really just the the calendar. I pull up the calendar and I'm like literally who needs to show up this week? Everybody who set a meeting with me? Make a video. I'm going to make a short little video to them, you know, and you can do, again, it could be 15 seconds long. It's just, hey, looking forward to seeing you. Here's something to think about. Mention the date and time. Be excited. Act like you think they're actually going to show up, you know, and it, it works. And that's one of those things where it's like, anytime you'd rather deliver the message in person, but you can't get a meeting video helps you know somebody asks for a quote it's a little easier to explain that on video because you have your storytelling tools like your tone of voice and your eye contact and your inflection and it's just easier to communicate here's what it costs and why for me at least than in like a purely text format same thing with legal you know legal kills deals it's complicated stuff not everybody can jump on a, a half hour meeting to discuss that, you know, again, it's, it's that idea of like little micro steps, you know, your job is not to close them immediately. It's how do you get them from here to here? And yeah, sometimes the easiest way to communicate a complicated idea when you can't get on the phone is just get on video and explain it. Yeah, I love it. Chris, uh, the last question I ask uh, everyone, just because this is, um, you know, a story about you and uh, just, you know, the the all the stuff uh, you taught us about sales with video. But this is about something that most people wouldn't know about you. So it's when I ask people this, I want to, you know, maybe a story that is just, you know, you. So I, 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 I like to ask people and it doesn't have to be about video, but it could be about anything. But if I asked like your friends, your family, like people that know you closest, 
what is like just something and people know now that you like if you they look at linkedin they know about you that you play the the electronic wind instrument but what is something that is just so totally you maybe something that could only happen to you what would people tell me uh, about you chris um, that's just so totally you i'm really obsessive about super smash brothers <laughs> like what how obsessive like I'm just that guy that like nobody wants to play me with my friends because I'm just like really good at it. And I, I like I always have my obsessions. Now this work and this video stuff is like my new obsession. You know, I always I always get new obsessions, but yeah, I always have my video game that I'm obsessed with. So right now it's been Smash Brothers for like the last decade. Before that it was Dance Dance Revolution. I was a Dance Dance Revolution guy. No. I was that guy at the mall with the water bottle and the sweat towel, and I would take pictures of my perfect scores, and um, I would play all those songs on intense mode trying okay. to get a perfect score. Well, I, I now have two requests, a, a Dance Dance Revolution LinkedIn video about sales, and then, you know, can you can you take us off with an E? We tune from Super Smash Brothers. By the way, my nephew and you need, I play it with him all the time and he crushes me. I'm, uh, what's the dragon? I forget his name. And, um, Yoshi? Gan yeah, the Gandalf. Uh, and no, it's, um, King, King Didi. King Didi. He's a penguin. Oh, no, penguin. But it's, um, I forget the, 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 the alligator. I'm sorry, the alligator. Well, you know, I don't know. Oh, yeah, King K. Rule. Yeah, King K. Rule. Yeah. Yeah. So this, I'm trying to think. If I know any Smash Brothers songs. So I've been playing Cuphead <laughs> recently, which is Nintendo song. He shows up as like a skin in that game for like the custom fighter. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Very, very good. You make my nephew. My nephews would be proud. I'm. Uh, I would love to play with you. Hopefully, sometimes, and even if you crush me, uh, I would. I would love to play. Yeah. yeah, honestly, I've done. I've done a couple on LinkedIn where I'm like, usually it's on a holiday, where I'm like, oh, it's the Fourth of July. Let's all play Smash Brothers on LinkedIn, and like, it's actually kind of fun. There's more people who are into it than you'd think. I love it. It's addictive. It is incredibly addictive. But uh, yeah, if you run up with somebody that's super good, it's it's tough. <laughs> Chris, where can people meet you? Talk, you know, about video, maybe a little Smash Brothers, and and make some requests to your Ewe. Where where do you want them to go? Yeah. So the easiest way to follow me is to go on LinkedIn and ring my bell. So uh, I'm a creator on LinkedIn. I post content every day. I post comedy every week. Go look up Chris Bogue. You will find me there. You can follow me. You can DM me, connect with me. I'm always talking to people about video and comedy and sales and everything under the sun. Uh, and if you want to check out my course, you can go to chrisbogue.io. All the links will be in the uh, show notes. Chris Bogue, man, thanks uh, a bunch for jumping on today. It's been a pleasure. Hey, gang. All right. Wow. You made it to the end. I know your time is valuable, so thank you from the bottom of my heart for spending your time here with me. If you heard a quote you liked, got a quick bit of value, or you have an idea that can help convince others to join, I urge you to take a minute and leave a five-star rating and review. 
that helps us gain influence and bring some really great guests on to add even more value to you and others. You can also always contact me directly to tell me your thoughts. I'd love to hear from you. All my info is in the notes. Let's help convince anyone that they have the ability to sell well just by being great humans. And this podcast is proof. All right. See you on the next episode of Stories of Selling Human.